Craig Officer, it's important we look at the facts. Why? Why? Douglas Ross is sounding pretty scared. I believe in independence. And he clapped like a seal. Hello there and welcome to another Planet Hollywood. I'm Paul Hutchin, political editor of the Daily Record. Joining me this week are Hannah Roger, chief reporter of the Sunday Mail, and Douglas Dickey of the Scottish Daily Express. Now, if you enjoy stories about constitutional wrangling and also stories about recycling, this is definitely the podcast episode for you. So, the number one issue in Scottish politics is something called the Deposit Return Scheme. Now, in theory, it should be a harmless policy aimed at boosting recycling rates. Uh, I think that to give you a sort of layman's run through, shoppers would pay a 20p deposit every time they buy a drink in a can or a bottle. That money is then refunded to them when the empty container is returned. Pretty simple, Hollywood passed a law but it's now become a major constitutional spat because Westminster is refusing to grant an exemption unless glass is exempted. And now Hamza Yusuf, the First Minister, is saying that the entire thing could be scuppered. So, Hannah, let's start with you. You've written a number of decent stories on this DRS. What was that, Paul? You think I've written some decent stories? Okay, okay. I'll, 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 excellent. <laughs> Some excellent stories on DRS. I'll give you full credit. I've, Thank I've, I've you. Up from decent. Um, who do you blame for this? And what does it say about Scottish politics that we are where we are with it? So I think it, the whole thing's a mess, right? In terms of who fundamentally is to blame, I mean, to be honest, I don't normally express an opinion on things like this, but on this occasion, I'm going to make an exception and say it's Lorna Slater. Um, you know, I find it quite depressing that when there is some sort of constitutional or when there is some sort of issue uh, with the Scottish government that involves the UK government, they feel as if their get-out-of-jail-free card is just to blame the UK government even when it's not actually the UK government's fault or or predominantly their fault. So with the DRS, I do take issue with this um, implication by the Scottish government that it's all because of the UK government, um, you know, not allowing glass. Because we saw before, before the UK government made this sort of decision... Um, earlier was it earlier this week i've lost track of the days but whenever they said you you know we'll allow it but you have to remove glass the scottish government were already blaming the uk government for other things saying you know they're dragging their feet on on granting the exemption the uk government said oh the scottish government haven't even applied for the exemption but if we put all that aside take all the exemption stuff out the stories that I've been writing are about people in Scotland who are unhappy about the way that the policy was going to be enacted in the first place. You know, you've got small business owners, you had five, I mean, I had five of the country's major supermarkets all saying that in its current form, the way it was under the Scottish government plans, 
it was never going to work and they, they didn't support it. So there's a huge amount of stuff that was wrong with that scheme prior to any UK government exemption or non-exemption. So I think it's completely idiotic for the Scottish government to say that it's all the UK government's fault. And I think that they're actually kind of disrespecting people's intelligence by trying to suggest that. Lorna Slater has claimed, Hannah, that uh, this is a sign of a broken union. Um, what do you make of that? Yeah, you know, next you'll be saying we've been dragged out of Europe against our will, yada, yada, yada. I mean, you know, I think that there is definitely some game playing going on here. I don't think that the UK government are being entirely, um, what's the word? I don't think that they're being very fair in terms of, you know, saying, oh, well, we'll allow it, but only if you remove glass, because they know that that will totally scunner the whole of the Scottish government's thing. But you know, it goes back to what I was saying. It's not, even if the UK government said, yes, okay, exemption granted, you can run your scheme. All those problems that the businesses were um, having with it, the fact that businesses were saying that they were going to have to close down, there's issues to do with, um, you know, transparency around the company that's been tasked with running this scheme. All of that stuff, that, that all would still exist. Right, hold on, just to play devil's advocate here, though, you're mentioning that even before the glass row, you had small yeah. businesses, big businesses kicking off. Um, maybe it's because I'm a, an older gentleman, uh, but I can remember, you know, when Labour was trying to introduce the minimum wage, you had all these sorts of scare stories from business. It's going to cost jobs. It's going to be a disaster. And then when they tried to introduce the smoking ban as well, we got the same sort of scaremongering. I mean, isn't it the case that businesses always moan when they're forced by a government to do something um i mean yeah you could say that but that's not you know i i am not here to say well this business's grievances are valid and this one isn't you know that's not up to me to say that i think that they do have from from the reporting that i've done on it obviously i've looked into all the issues and i do feel like they have genuine um problems or concerns with it and also I do think fundamentally there's there's questions around um this organization which you know it's a private they say not for profit company but it's a private company that's been tasked with running this scheme you know their chief executive I think is on you know an eye-watering amount of money and they're all basically all these businesses are paying for that as well as paying to be part of the scheme. I just think there's a lot of questions around it. But, you know, you're right to say that businesses businesses don't really like change at all. And they are going to moan when there's when there's new things um, being introduced. And, you know, I know we'll probably come on to talk about this later, but we can see that a little bit with the, um, the LEZ, which has just come into force in Glasgow today. You know, you've got businesses going tonto about that and I think some of those criticisms are again a bit um, a bit sort of sensationalised or magnified beyond really any sort of reasonable um, what's the word, what am I trying to say here? Out of proportion. Yeah they're out of proportion I think but you know again like we would report their concerns the same way that we would report businesses about the DRS scheme so it's it's not up to us as journalists to decide 
you know, who's right and who's wrong in a case like this, where it's the government, you know, bringing in these massive policies which are going to affect everyone. So, yeah, yeah. Um, Dougie, obviously, the row is now focused on glass. The UK government is saying um, you can pilot a UK wide scheme as long as glass is exempted. The Scottish government's kicking off about this. Now, in the past, there have been Tories like Morris Golden who said glass should be included. So, isn't this really a sort of last minute attempt by the Conservatives just to scupper what is quite a you know, moderate plan that you can see in other European countries. Well, uh, well, no, I don't. I don't think that's the case, Paul. Obviously, um, uh, Hannah's taking the wind at my sails a wee bit in terms of um, where the blame lies, and the blame does lie with um, Lorna Slater. The issues just can obviously put viewers in the, the, the pictures. The issues with glass are, uh, you know, businesses have raised um, problems with storage. They've raised. Um, the fact that it might even push people to use more plastic um, rather than use glass because it's it's costlier to um, to 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 use and the overall cost of it. I mean, what this is doing, uh, there's obviously a UK wide scheme going to come in in 2025. We hope, um, and uh, what all this is for, for me is an attempt by the nationalist government to try and create a de facto trade barrier within within the UK. I mean, you said that this is a, a rather frivolous thing that happens in other European countries, but we're talking about single markets here. The UK, the last time I checked, is a single market. And um, I think this is just another attempt by the SNP and the Greens to try and um, create, a, 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 you know, create an image of Scotland and England being, being separate countries. And I really have to say, I, I, I think well, I mean, the environment is a devolved issue. So, I mean, surely they can introduce a, a deposit return scheme. The market well. isn't, you know, the internal market isn't a devolved issue. I, I, I just have to say, I, I find it so incredibly, incredibly depressing that Scotland seems to be the only country in, in, in Europe that doesn't have a genuine and proper Green Party. And instead, we've got something that masquerades as a Green Party, but is little more than SNP light. Their focus is on things that have got nothing to do with the environment, um, on independence. And I think I've said before on here, I, I found it very telling that the Greens, people like Honest Light, there's a red line during the SNP leadership um, contest, the, uh, the red line issue. I, I'm not going to get into an argument over how worthy it was, you know, gender reform. It had absolutely nothing to do with the environment. And now Honest Light are saying, uh, and Humza Yusuf are saying that it might not even go forward and all also they can pick a fight with the UK government. It's it's just petulant. Yeah, you know, they're not purely an environmental party. I mean, the Greens, the Scottish Greens, of course, that is a big part of their identity, but they're also a social justice party. They're also a party that believes in LGBTI equality. And you know, that that's undeniable. It's not they're not simply a, a recycling climate change party. But where do people, you know, my point would be, where do people who have, have, have genuine concerns about climate, about the environment, where do we go in Scotland? Where do they go? You know, because the Greens... Well, surely you just go to whatever party aligns with their... ...ism of, of, um, of independence. Well, environmentalism is now mainstream, and you can see it in every party, um, even the Conservatives. Um, maybe not so much, but... Um, you know, every single party would 
would take uh, climate change extremely serious. It's no longer a sort of niche so issue. Well, then, you know, what's up? You know, what's up? Purpose. Well, I think, I think it's wider. I think that they see themselves as a, the Greens see themselves as a left-wing party, which includes climate change, social justice, uh, equality, uh, public services, um, rather than a purely Green party that focuses on one issue. Um, oh, I, I, you, know, you, you may disagree with the stances they take, um, but I, I would argue that they're a broader-based party than, than you're sort of claiming. Listen, that... Ultimately, their their focus should be, uh, you know, it seems to me if you call yourself the Green Party, your focus should be on green issues. And it feels to me that green issues are, are part of it, but um, it's they're very much relegated to the side. And, and, and they've been given the opportunity here to trial this pilot, um, DRS, uh, but instead of doing that, uh, instead of trying to work together with, with, you know, the UK government to make it happen, they're throwing their toys at the pram, they're saying that they're not going to do it, and or they might not do it, um, and, and you know, it just reeks of trying to invent um, another grievance and, 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 and trying to in, invent another um, split with Westminster. Well, I, I, I do agree with you. I think that, you know, the, the phrase that I used earlier, uh, Lorna Slater referred to broken union, I, I do feel like that was more nationalist language than, than left-wing language. It was, it's kind of odd to, to hear politician Green Party say in that. Fairness, uh, in fairness to Honest Slater, she was probably just reading a script by her spad. So, um, it may yeah, be and also she's even, a minister in uh, an SNP government. So Yeah, but I, I kind of think that maybe they should put their own imprint on it rather than um, repeating nationalist lines. But that's just well, I, 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 She yeah. probably didn't even realise what she was saying, to be honest. You know, when you're reading a script, sometimes it just kind of comes out and it's there before you know it. But um, I'm, I'm, going to skip, I'm going to skip a subject because I think that the, the third item that we're going to talk about is, is more linked to climate change, and that is labour on oil and gas. Now, there was a story at the weekend which effectively suggested that uh, an incoming Labour government would ban uh, all new oil and gas developments in the North Sea. As you can imagine, there's been a bit of pushback from unions like the GMB and Unite, uh, and not everyone in Scottish Labour is uh, too enamoured with this uh, policy position either. Hannah, what did you make of this policy? And would you agree it's quite a tricky one for Labour, given their historic link to the, the unions and the workers? I mean, it is, it's difficult for Labour, but also I think, you know, somebody has to do something about the climate emergency and we see this all the time that parties kind of say oh yeah something must be done but then when it actually comes to enacting policies you know for example the drs or the lez or whatever it is then it gets watered down or gets abandoned and you know there's only so many times you can do that before well Basically, people need to take action to do something, and I think that it's quite clear that North, North Sea um, oil and gas exploration is something that is not necessarily the best for the environment. Now, Labour has been, I suppose, quite, um, you know, it's not it's not been completely, um, what's the word? 
they've not said, you know, we will absolutely shut down every uh, oil and gas, you know, site in the North Sea immediately. They've said, you know, the, the licenses that are currently running uh, will let them run. Any new licenses that have already been granted, they, they still stand, I think they've said. But, you know, we're not going to be granting new licenses if we come to power. And I think that's, you know, it's a tricky one for Labour because of their relationship with unions and with obviously the, the industry but it, it's going to have to be done at some point and I think actually it's a pretty brave move of Keir Starmer to be the one to say no I'm this is going to happen and I'm going to do it um, and it's not you know it's not as if these things are going to happen overnight it's a quite a long period of time that this is going to be happening over and you know politicians constantly say how we need to reskill people who are working in these sectors so that they can work elsewhere and things like that. And it does give time to do that. But, you know, that's just the way I see it. I'm sure uh, Doogie will have a different opinion. Doogie, um, Keir Starmer has been accused of being quite cautious on policy. He's been accused of not having a bold policy agenda. But do you agree with Hannah that on this particular issue he's been brave? Um. No, and but the reasons maybe aren't, aren't, aren't exactly why Hannah would think, but um, I think he's maybe banking on the fact that this will probably play well in areas Labour will be targeting and um, politically and electorally, it's going to have an impact in a part of the country where Labour aren't so strong anyway. Uh, you know, the North East, um, I, think, I think the Tories will be licking their lips uh, at this one, um, you know, around Aberdeen, Aberdeenshire, the, that kind of Grampian area, because I think you might get people who might have been considering voting Labour up there thinking, well, you, you know, we want to protect jobs up here, we want to protect industry. I, I mean, I think I, I, one thing I do agree with Hannah is it's it such a complex issue, and um, I, I, I wish I knew, you know, if I knew what the right answer was, I wouldn't be here right now. You know, I'd be sunning myself in the Caribbean, you know, after selling it to someone. But it's just, it, it, it's so complex. We can't jump off a cliff edge of just stopping. Isn't that complex? I mean, as an industry, it is uh, creating just havoc in terms of the climate across the world. It is a dirty, dirty industry. And at some point, it's going to have to end. Otherwise, mm -hmm. it's going to be a catastrophe. Yeah, I, I mean, well, I... I I'm a bit fatalistic in this one. I think we might have missed the uh, cut-off point for it becoming a catastrophe, but that's um, maybe one for another day. But uh, if we're going to move to green energy, then we need something to power that move. You know, it, it's kind of... I, I, won't, I won't pretend to be an expert in this field. Um, I, I, it just feels to me like... And I, I, another thing, you're absolutely right, this has happened all over the world. It's making me think that the North Sea's a drop in the ocean compared to and with energy prices at the moment as they are um it's certainly you know maybe it is a bold move from Keir Starmer I, 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 I think I don't think it's going to have any impact electorally um, and, Anna, and, Anna, um just to pick up this again Scottish Labour have been a bit muted on this they haven't exactly been well you know, they haven't after a statement every day on it they've been pretty quiet would you sense that maybe been sidelined on this a bit 
Um, well, they definitely. I don't think that. I don't think that they were one hundred percent aware that he was going to make these comments uh, because you can kind of see that from the response. You know, as you say, these sort of statements. It's like, yeah, yes, we will do whatever Keir Starmer says. Um, but you know, I don't think that there's been a discrepancy in terms of what the UK Labour Party are saying and the Scottish Labour Party, I don't think that they're they're outright disagreeing. I think Scottish Labour have said, you know, basically um, we support the sort of move towards a greener uh, greener economy, greener energy, etc. And then they've reiterated this point about, you know, it's not as if they're going to have a cliff edge where they shut off all the North Sea oil and gas industry. It's going to be a gradual thing um but i don't know is it i mean it's one of those issues that like as we approach the general election all the parties are going to have to put out their position on it so maybe it's a good idea for them to have got it out now and scottish labor can then start to really finesse and work on their lines and how they're going to deal with that because yeah i think while you know keir starmer can come up here say that and then boost off back to islington um Anna Sarwar is going to be stuck up here having to answer all the questions every other day from people like us. So, yeah, it's a bit of a tricky one, but I think they've handled it okay so far. I think Labour are launching their national mission on energy in Scotland at some point this month. Mm. Um, let's just move on to the SNP. Hannah, you used to be at Westminster Corp for the Herald, so you've got a lot of good contacts amongst the MPs. There was a, a rare bit of good news for the SNP uh, when they managed to file their Westminster accounts on time, thus avoiding the loss of over a million quid in short money, which would have led to a bit of a, a staffing nightmare for them. Is that a sign that competence is back, that they're on the sort of upward slope? Or should we just take it for granted that political parties should file their accounts on time? Um, well, there's a few things in there. For a start, they wouldn't have lost a million pounds of short money, I'm pretty sure. They would have lost however long their accounts were overdue for. They would lose that like a, as a portion. So it's not as if they the next day lose a million quid and all their staff have to get sacked. So that's just one sort of pedantic thing that has been annoying me. That Thank I've you for correcting seen. me. Thank you. Yes, I was correcting you. Um, but in terms of is this them sort of getting getting things back in order? I mean, potentially, but also I think like it just shows that they managed to get new account or new auditors who've managed to do the job on time and submit the accounts for when they were meant to be submitted. I mean, really, once the auditors got um, taken on, which by by the sounds of it, it's not as if you had they had like you know, hundreds of auditors lining up to take on their accounts. I think that they were kind of forced to just take somebody who would ag agree to do it. You know, no auditor was going to agree to do it unless they could do it within the required time frame. And the Westminster accounts, we know they're not under, um, you know, the same level of, of scrutiny and investigation as the main party accounts. They're obviously a smaller set of accounts as well. So I just think while it's a good headline, 
when you actually break it down, it's not really that remarkable. Like the oddsters were always going to submit them on time. It's a little bit of drama that they did it, you know, within hours before the deadline. But um, yeah, I do think it's a po it is some like much needed positive news for the SNP certainly, um, and I think it probably has helped that we've had a couple of weeks now where it's been fairly quiet on the. Um, you know, investigation front. I was going to ask you about that. I mean, what, what's your take on that? Well, I think that, first of all, uh, you know, all that kind of drip, drip of information about items that are being seized or investigated, etc. like that's kind of dried up because I think that we kind of know, well, we think we do know roughly the types of things that they're looking for. Um, and also it's become kind of, you know, I don't think people are, would be that excited to know that the police have, you know, seized a pair of scissors or something like this, an expensive pair of scissors or a toothbrush. Page, lead, page lead, come on. What? Page lead is a page lead. I'll, I'll take well, a page lead the story. Look, fine. a page lead in the Sunday Mail has got a much higher standard than a page lead. <laughs> well, no, I've got enough of you already. Yeah, no, I think like. It's, it's kind of quieting down in terms of the information that's coming about the investigation. And also, you know, like journalists have had other stuff going on. Um, for example, the police investigation into former North Lanarkshire Council leader, Jordan Linden. Oh, and by the way, the police chief who's leaving saying that the whole force is institutionally racist might have distracted people as well. So, you know, there's just been a lot of other stuff going on. Um, I think it's it's probably welcome. And again, it could just it could erupt at any time, couldn't it? I mean, yeah. I mean, that's the thing. People are thinking it's not as if everyone thinks, oh, that's it. It's gone away now. I think people are still waiting to find out what the next thing is. But we could be waiting for a few months. You don't think, Dougie? It's it's slightly better times for Hamza. I mean, I think he's doing better at FNQs. Okay, you've got a few constitutional spats, but police investigation, as Hannah was saying, is a bit quieter, filed their accounts on time. They might just try to be surviving to summer recess and then regrouping. I think um, I think that's what we'll be hoping for. Uh, I still think he's got a pretty hefty entry of problems. And uh, it could, you know, this could be the calm before the storm. Paul, I mean, we're facing, you know, next week we'll find out uh, probably an expensive by-election in Rutherland, one they'll lose. Police investigation is obviously still going on behind the scenes. And, and, and as you said, a moment ago, it could erupt at, um, at any time. I, I think the big problem for Humza is that the SNP's biggest problem is is, is Humza and, 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 and the polls bear that out. He's unpopular. Um, he, he doesn't seem to be engaging voters in any way. Yeah, I think I think he was a bit better at FMQs today. Um, it, it was a fairly easy one for him. Um, summer recess is just a few weeks away. I, I think he'll get to that now, um, and he'll, I, I think he'll just be hoping that nothing incredible comes out in that time. But it seems to me only a matter of time before the next SNP crisis arrives. They've still got another auditor's deadline to meet. Um, I, I think once he got auditors in, I never doubted they would get the Westminster Group accounts through. Uh, I don't think doing it with you know hours to spare is much of an achievement. I, I, I don't really think they should have been crowing uh, about it the way they did. But um, I mean, we'll see. I, 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 I think the next few weeks, um, 
things are bound to hot up again. But it's been a quite. I, I, I think with Humza Yusuf, from his point of view, no news is good news. And from his point of view, it's been pretty quiet. On it, Slater's been taking a lot of the political heat this week, and I think that will that will shoot him down to the ground. Um, Dougie, just wrapping up. Good week, bad week for you. Uh, so I'll go good week. I think it's been a good week for Alistair Jack. Uh, I think he. <laughs> I can just see Hannah disagreeing with me there. Um, I, I think he outfoxed the Scottish government on this one. I, I think the offer, the Internal Market um, Act, uh, to allow the DRS to go forward is perfectly fair. Uh, without glass, I think the the Scottish government should take him up on that and should press ahead with it. Uh, I think he's he's he's, he's made honestly a look. Um, a, out of her depth. Um, so, uh, good week, good week for Alistair. Uh, for bad week, it's a bad week for some Glaswegian motorists who've found themselves uh, effectively banned from their own city centre. Obviously, this is the controversial low emission zone that has been, uh, that has been brought into today. Uh, I think one of the main factors is it's going to be a lot of people on lower incomes who will be most impacted by this. I know the SNP like to say it's um, I think pretty good news for people with asthma, though, isn't it? Well, exactly. I'm asthmatic myself, Paul. So um, good news uh, for you. And I've, I've, I mean, I've personally never had any problems in the city centre, but you know, I'm aware that there are other people who will. But um, uh, yeah, if you're if you're somebody who drives a 2006 diesel, then it's uh, uh, it's been a bad week if you were to go shopping and. In Glasgow City Centre. You'll need to rely on the uh, patchy public transport instead. Anna, over to you. Good week, bad week? So my bad week is the opposite of Doogie's good week, I think. So my bad week, I've decided, is just the Tonys in general. But, you know, particularly, for example, Douglas Ross at... Um, FMQs and also, you know, the UK government in terms of this uh, DRS stuff. I just think if you look at all these different things, like the DRS, like the LEZ, like the, what else, the um, protected marine environments and things, you know, whether you agree with those individual policies or not, I think that it's, it's starting to just look like the Tories are, you know, anti-environment altogether like they're you know they they don't actually care about these climate change policies and they're it, it just is starting to feel as if they're just determined to kind of knock down yeah. any sort of policies which could benefit the environment um you know i'm not saying that that is what their position is i don't really see that they are very big on the environment to be honest but it's just starting to look a bit mad because they're going after all these specific environment policies um, uh, of course, Tory voters who do care about the environment have got nowhere to go because we don't have a proper Green Party. Oh, yes, yeah, because you have to vote for the Greens if you, <laughs> you know, care about the environment in any capacity. I mean, no, but well, anyway. Well, they yeah. have environmental policies, don't they? I mean, they, they I was, I was joking. I was joking. <laughs> um, no, and my I good week... I'm just uh, suggesting that people... <laughs> um, my good week is... I'm just picking somebody who I feel is a bit of a voice of reason at the minute, and it's Anna Sarwar. 
Um, you know, I think while the SNP and the Tories are at loggerheads over all these constitutional issues, and Asarwar week after week constantly campaigning, highlighting, trying to hold the government to account on one issue which affects absolutely every single person in this country, and that's the state of the NHS. You know, he is like a dog with a bone with a subject, constantly brings it up, constantly questioning the government about it. And to be honest, I think that he's he's doing a really good job on that. I'm not saying that, um, you know, the government, I think that basically there's a lot, a long way to go in terms of improving the NHS, but he's not kind of letting them get away with anything. And I think that it's quite, you know, it, it's just a bit of, it's just refreshing to have somebody actually talking about issues that matter to the average person and not these constitutional wranglings all the time. Um, well, listen, that's it for another week. I hope you enjoyed this uh, constitutional wrangling recycling special on Planet Hollywood. Um, thanks again to Doogie and to Hannah for their analysis. I hope you'll join us again next week. It's important we look at the facts. Why? Why? Douglas Ross is sounding pretty scared. I believe in independence. And he clapped like a seal.